Good morning, Noodleberg Daily Huddle. It is a terrific Tuesday. It'll soon be here. It'll be here. Yes, yes, <laughs> this was like a defining album. You remember uh, Fleetwood Mac rumors? Yep. Corey, I'm definitely thinking about tomorrow. Well, he's doing Tell Me Something Good tomorrow. Right. So, uh, <laughs> you bet your ass, brother. <laughs> How was your Hope Monday? Everybody is off to a great start on this Tuesday morning. How was your Monday? Monday was fantastic. Was uh, just moving right along. Shout out to uh, the tourist team. Had a great call with them yesterday. Moving along. Justin Mount Stevens coming from the UK, baby. I love it. Good great morning, call with you yesterday, my brother. It's all about new. In digesting new ideas, man. Good stuff. So I'm going to make this tr introduction in the huddle, actually. But Justin needs to connect with Paul Rushton. Yes. That's Paul, actually a great has, intro. Paul has a company that is doing some really interesting things in the sports science world. That needs to be a inside. And Paul, you showed up. So that's perfect. So that is a uh, that's a good one. Good morning, Lloyd Gillick. Doop. Dude. I love that. I think that's our actual first introduction during the huddle. Like it wow. happens all the time through other people, but wow. here we just made an introduction. Very, very cool. Very, very good. I love it. Andrea Cantaneo, welcome aboard. All right, uh, we'll we'll lower the music. We'll get this uh, this bad boy started. Um, Larry Long says that it's Taco Tuesday, which reminds me of a, an interesting sales story. You know, the idea with Taco Tuesday, you know, when I would be training sales teams, they would come in and go, oh, it's Taco Tuesday. So you're more interested in lunch than you are in what we're doing. I mean, you know, <laughs> where, where's your focus? You know, then you go out and you go, you, you know, you go out and eat tacos, you get some shit on your shirt the rest of the day. You're, you know, people are talking about the stain on your shirt. Man. I mean, so, you have a margarita at lunch, you come back from lunch a little buzzed. <laughs> those are the days, baby. Those are the days. <laughs> those are the days, baby. All right, we're here. We're ready to go. Lots of uh, fun stuff today. Lori Salarillo in the house. Thank you for joining us all the time. Lori had an article in South Florida Business and Wealth that came out yesterday that was really good talking about JA. Shout out to Lori. Yeah, for those who are not following her, please do. Please get a coffee with her, a virtual coffee. JA is doing some great things. They are legacy. They are building legacy, and I love that. So um, we'll jump in with a couple of cool things. This day, uh, June 23rd in uh, 1990, uh, let's see if you can see this, Arsenio Hall was on the cover of the TV Guy. Now, first of all, what the hell is a TV Guy? <laughs> so uh, TV Guy, and he was the TV personality of the year. And uh, great stuff 
really, really fun. Uh, what a personality, what a great guy. In his first episode, it was really, really funny because he jumped on board and said, don't adjust your TV. I'm black. Right. <laughs> <laughs> way to be cool, way to be great. I oh, love all the stuff he's done. Really, 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 really funny. Um, so good stuff there. Um, number two, um, the country is shifting with people moving all over the place. Uh, my wife, who's in real estate, she's doing great. Lots of inbound people to Florida. But coincidentally, for millennials, and Mark, why don't you jump in and give us the top 10 places that millennials are moving? So, and they're leaving major cities like San Francisco, New York, Chicago, so should I start from 10 and work my way to one or should like we go? That. Let's do a David Letterman. Boom. All right. Starting with number 10, Columbus, Ohio. And this is cool because I actually have experience in some of these places through recruiting and coaching. And I went to Columbus to see uh, Cincinnati play Ohio State. There's no chance. I don't care. I'd, 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 I'd fight the coronavirus until I die before I move to Columbus, Ohio. Just <laughs> my personal opinion. My personal opinion. Next is Paradise, Nevada, um, which really Nevada is an interesting state. You came to visit when I lived in Reno and there was really nothing there but a Shields. And if you don't know what Shields is, you have to find out. It is the Disneyland of sporting goods stores. Number eight is Phoenix, Arizona, which got to love Phoenix, got to love Arizona. Uh, number seven is Nashville, Tennessee, which Nashville is a great city if you've never been there. Unbelievable. Love Love the AFCA, the American Football Coaches Association, would hold the coaching convention there uh, every other year, something like that. It was always a great time at the Gaylord. Uh, Houston, Texas is number six. Number five, Charlotte, North Carolina. So actually, four, about Houston, it's the number one place for Fortune 500 companies. Rapidly growing, rapidly growing. And number five, Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, and Charlotte's a great city. And I don't, I don't know the last time you were in Charlotte, but that place has exploded. That place started to really grow when I graduated from school. There were a lot of banks that moved in there. A lot of people that I graduated with moved there for work, and it has continued to grow there since was then. A day, there was a day last week where I had three conversations with people from Charlotte. Uh, the uh, CEO of JA in Charlotte, who Lori introduced me to, um, the uh, president of the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce, and then a guy that is doing the marketing for our ice cream uh, venture. Incredible. So Scott is teasing it. Denver has to be on the list. I'll let you know it is, but we're getting there. Number four, and this is really interesting because the next two come from Texas. Number four is San Antonio, Texas, which I'm not a huge fan of the city. I've been to the Alamo. I've been there before. There's not a whole lot going on there, but great San Antonio. Number three is Austin, Texas, which is hands down one of my favorite cities in the country. Sixth Street, tons of live music, obviously startup heaven, South by Southwest when that was happening. Love Austin, Texas. Number two is Denver, Colorado. Howdy boy. <laughs> and number one is a really interesting one because I have love and hate for this one is Seattle, Washington. And Seattle to me is a very cool city. You know, going to the original Starbucks out at Pike's Place and, and that whole area is cool, but it is gray there and it is rainy there. Every time I've been there, I've never gotten sunshine. So interesting stuff. I, I'll tell you, Sat, Seattle for me has fond memories. I went out there with Coach Wanstatt um, on the team plane and watched them uh, play in that stadium 
And let me tell you something, that is a cool city. It had lots of millionaires, a uh, little bit shaky today, but, uh, but certainly a cool spot. A couple of shout outs to new people who haven't been here before. Richard Zegelbone, he is one of my favorite clients of all time. Um, serious CEO, one of the coolest guys. Richard, welcome aboard. Brett Kaiser, who's one of young Noodleberg's <laughs> uh, awesome. plan, which is really cool. Scott Thaler's back in the house. Uh, Chris Scoville, thank you for coming aboard. Um, Shane Dorsey, welcome aboard. All right, as promised today, it's to what? Good tidbit. Arsenio is a fellow Buckeye. I had no idea. Thank you. I had no idea. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Stuff, How about man. that? Good stuff. So, right. uh, so that's a little uh, history lesson and stuff that's going on around the country. Uh, Mark and I sat in on a uh, webinar last week, as we told you, with uh, Simon Sinek. It was a very intimate group. It was question and answers. But this guy is so on point in terms of what's happening, what was happening. And I was really fortunate years and years ago uh, when Nova Southeastern put together a group called the Young Entrepreneurs. Um, I was asked by Jay Chen to, to get in and lead that. And it was great. I was glad I did. And one of our first guest speakers was Simon Sinek before anybody even knew who Simon Sinek was. And I just knew his tone, his confidence, his uniqueness was really, really special. And certainly all the stuff he's come up with, if you've not seen the video on why, um, it's groundbreaking, earth-shattering, life-changing, you should watch it. But his new book, uh, Infinite, um, Finite Verse Infinite, is really, um, spectacular. So he brings up a couple of great points. Mark, why don't you talk about the basic foundation between things that are finite and things that are infinite? Well, it's interesting because I, in particular, use the references from sports to business all the time. The glaring difference between the two is that sports is a finite game. Like you have 60 minutes to win the game, to score more points than the opponent. And it, that game goes into a win-loss record. Like you have that for the rest of the year and it affects the outcome of the season. Whereas in business, you're never going to get, there's no winning business. Like you don't have a winning season in business. You either stay in business or you don't. So whereas business is an infinite game, it goes on forever. And the real goal to winning is to stay in business as long as possible. Whereas in a, in a finite game, you have 60 minutes, you get a win and a loss and it's over. You move on to the next one. Those are the two major differences between the two. You know, I, I found it fascinating that he brought that up because, you know, I, I don't think people get that. I think people, you know, whether you hit the goal or you don't hit the goal, you still got to show up the next day. It's very similar with many things in life. You know, I, I took that analogy and I started thinking about it as I'm on this diet program and I'm, you know, one of those guys that depending on what I'm drinking, I'm up and down, you know, or how much I'm drinking, but a diet is not a, you know, a finite game. It's infinite. You got to still show up tomorrow. And whether you're a pound heavier or a pound lighter, so what? I mean, it, you know, that, you know, so it really does change perspective and he got into such amazing, amazing stuff. So I'm going to bring up a couple of words that he brought up just in general in the whole conversation because some great questions were asked. The number one, well, there's a couple of great words that he did. Number one I took away was the word optimism. And he said, crisis is the best revealer because 
that's when people's optimism gets tested. It's easy to be optimistic when the ball is going your way, you know, and you, you know, the sports analogies, you know. I have, I have the same quote. I have the same quote. And because he dove into this and he talked about what's the difference between optimism and positivity, right? Positivity is just having a, a blind, you know, positive look at everything and being like, no matter what's going on, it's good. It's great. And it's really not genuine and authentic. Whereas optimism is saying, I know we're going to get to a better place. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know all of the pains that are going to come along the way, but I know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So as opposed to just saying everything is good and everything is great, you recognize that there is a journey involved and that you're focused on the light at the end of the tunnel and not the darkness around you. So, so I love that. You know, so that word optimism is really, you know, a question you could get up and look yourself in the mirror. Are you truly optimistic? You know, I think of, you know, guys like Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady is eternally optimistic. When they went in the locker room, you know, um, you know, we talked about this, this halftime mentality. That they were very optimistic that they could still win that game in the Super Bowl even though they were down to Atlanta, they, you know, there was no, there was no seed of doubt. Hey, if we do what we know how to do, this is what the outcome will be. And so I think, you know, to be really optimistic at the core is a training. I think it's a a mindset. And so um, I meant to say this before about finite infinite, and this was something I took away from him. If we're playing in an infinite game of business, leaders should update their skills on a regular basis to play the best they, to play the best they can. However, a large number of leaders don't do that. What would you suggest to those who are more reluctant to update their skill? You know, that's- it's and it's so perfect because that is that is an exact. It's business and sports. It's evolve or die. And so, people who have paid attention to football and know it, the the way the game is played with John Joe Montana and, and Jerry Rice is very different than the way that the Eagles and the Patriots won their Super Bowls, right? They spread it out across the field. They chuck it around. It's quick. It's a fast-paced, very different than the game than the way the game was played in the 80s. That doesn't take away that, uh, you know, that, that, that Steve Walsh changed the entire game, but it continued to evolve, which is the same as in business. If you are still trying to pound your head against a brick wall the way you did in the 80s and 90s and haven't evolved with the changes of technology and everything that goes on in business, you're behind everybody else that is and eventually going to get passed out or passed by for good. Awesome. couple other quick shout outs, new people that are here. Yolanda Harris uh, coming to us from Charleston, one of my favorite cities. Surprising that's not on the list that we talked about. Uh, Jason Cartwright, who's a great trainer. Great great to have you on board. Andy Brahms is in the house, man. Way to see you, my brother. Um, So next word I want to bring up is transparency. And this is where I thought he knocked it right out of the park. Because transparency, uh, most people think that means I need to let you know everything, you know, or, or justify everything. And here's what he said. Transparency means providing context for the decisions we're making, not showing everybody everything. So people just want to 
they, they want to be certain about why you're doing stuff. And this is where he wove the why back in. It's not like, hey, I'm making this decision. Tough shit. You know, it's, hey, I'm making this decision because here's what I was faced with. Here's the contextual nature of what's going on. And here's my why. People want to be in the loop. And that goes for your friends, your family, and your business. And I loved it. And guess what? It's all about the people all the time. So you can feel like you're the best leader in America, but if you have a group of people underneath you that don't actually carry your message out and carry out the actions that you're trying to lead them to do, it doesn't matter. So he also talked about in that the difference between leaders and managers. He goes, nobody wants to be managed. Right. You know, so everybody's called a manager in an offense. Nobody Terrible. wants to be managed. Terrible. Everybody wants to be led. Right. And in order to lead people, you have to deliver the why in a way that they can then take it and make it their own. Right. So that's the power of why. And he talks about, you know, what's your why? And that's his other book. Um, and, and so I think that's really critical when you're trying to, you know, get people to move in the same direction is being transparent enough to give them the reasons on why you're making the decisions you're making so that they can understand it to make it them their own and carry it out. So, um, yeah, the, you know, it, it reminded me when people um, in all the organizations that I've owned and managed and whatever, people would introduce themselves and they go, hi, I work for Steve. And I say, you don't work for me. You work with me. And people would go, wow, that was really cool. I can't believe, you, you know, you did that. You made me feel good. I go, because that's the reality. You don't work for me. You don't get up in the morning and go, wow, I'm going to do this for Steve. You do it for yourself. So that's right. where it's really selfish in nature. But I loved it. And here's where I think the beginning of this crisis really revealed, like he said, uncertainty is where imagination goes wild. We are programmed. We've programmed ourselves with so much crap, so many movies, so much negative that we dream of the worst case scenarios. And he said this, and this was, again, one of these unbelievable lines. A whisper becomes a shout. So you just, you th so, and, and that's an internal thing. That's right. the internal talk track that I tell people about that is crushing people every day because your little whisper turns out to be a shot and it affects your behaviors every single day. So real, really cool there. Last word, um, which we still have some time. We're coming up against our a hard stop. But the word was vulnerability. And God, this was so amazing and so great because um, he told a story about – um, another speaker who sells books and does what he did. And man, I related to this in like an amazing way. And he said, every time this guy's name would come up, it would drive me crazy. He goes, I hated this guy. I, you know, I was so competitive. You know, if I wanted to check books, I wanted to check his sales, I, I, every conversation. And, you know, it's a great interview and I'm going to post the interview. Yeah in the huddle, another reason why you want to join the Facebook group, because that's where all of the good content winds up. But he said, and this is, again, if you could own this alone, this will impact you beyond anything. Strength in somebody else reveals your weakness. Boom. I was like, took me to the knees because you know what? That's how competitive I am. I'm like, listen, I'm a fucker. I'm going to do whatever I can. <laughs> 
And then what I realized was that I really admired something about their doing some thought process. You know, it's not always the case, but clearly, Mark, and I don't know if you want to talk about that in coaching or, you know, any of those, you know. Sure. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, in, in coaching, people get touted as the gurus or, you know, so you're, you're constantly battling. Well, what do they know or what do they have that I don't? Why, why can't I be looked at in that same light or why am I not equal to him? And that's really just internal because it's you and you're battling your own insecurities because you see somebody else's strength, which reveals your own weakness. So when you're able to own that, and he told a great story about meeting that guy and being in the same room with him on and stage. on stage and being and being being vulnerable enough to say, look, I, I'm, I'm afraid of you. I, I don't I don't know what you have that I don't. But it creates this, you know, this insecurity inside of me. This, right. And they had a whole dialogue about it. And he grew from that. So really owning the fact that and whether it's in coaching or wherever it is, you know, we're coming up on our hard stop here. So I don't want to go on any further, but I think, you know, we're going to post that, 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 that uh, webinar, which was unbelievable. I suggest everybody watch it um, and really think about a lot of the lessons that he put in there because it's great. He even says, he goes, I wish people didn't need my job. Like I wish I was not in demand, you know, because what he's talking about is very simple, but it's very real, very actionable and very easy, but people don't choose to do it. But uh, you know, in closing, I think the, the takeaway is, you know, there's so many, there's so much access to great information. And, you know, uh, Lloyd Gillick, you know, talked about the, uh, the definition of the word diet. It comes from a Greek, you know, word. Well, you know, the steady diet of stuff like that is so inspiring, so educational. And so it becomes in your DNA. And then we talked about if you digest information like you're teaching it and look at what we did today. We taught it to you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for getting better every single morning. It is a battle. It's an infinite battle, but we're prepared to do it every single day. And you guys are great. Kenny P out in Denver, you lucky son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> thank you, man. I can't wait till you come visit. Um, all good stuff. Everybody here this morning, please have a terrific Tuesday. Don't stop thinking about today or tomorrow. Stay on the ball.